Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting. Steve, how you doing? Nick, it's been such a long time. It's been a long time, hasn't it? I've been travelling around and I'm still travelling, Steve. You've been, last time we spoke, you were about to go to, to Korea. So I have, we've got to catch up on that. And I can see behind you from where you're sitting, you're not in your lovely home office. You look like you're in a student dorm, so you've got, gone down in the world. I think it's tough. Uh, is it a bit tough uh, in Shea Evans at the moment? Have you been kicked out into a one-bedroom flat? I am. I foolishly, I'm at a conference in Manchester. And you know when you go to conferences, Steve, you you get sometimes you get a package so you can just mm, book everything. Swag. Oh, book yeah. the conference, book the dinner, book the two nights in the accommodation. Yeah. Bob's your uncle, job done. I really wish I hadn't done this this time because I'm in the student dorms, mm. right? So when I was away in Korea, which was... I'm not going to talk about today, by the way, that's okay. going to be a future pod. Yeah. But I was put up in grand hotels, four star hotels. Nice. Huge so rooms where you become, can play tennis in your room. You've become accustomed to a certain lifestyle over the past three exactly. weeks. Exactly. I've been coming. Last night, I went out with some friends from the conference for dinner. We went and had steak, Steve. You would have liked it. Yeah. And I was thinking of you because I had a rump steak and nice. I didn't have it rare like I normally did. I had it, I had it medium because I thought, oh, Steve says, Steve says a, me- a rump steak, you've got to cook a bit longer. So the fat renders. No, no that'd, be <laughs> so a rib, that'd be a ribeye, not a rump. Rump's got a low fat oh, content. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, bloody hell. Well, I've got it bloody wrong again. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Anyway, anyway, tell me had, about your anyway, steak. Anyway, I had dinner. So you imagine the scene. We're having dinner. Yeah. Go back to my, you know, we're in the centre of Manchester, which is where the conference is. Walk home to the hotel, hotel in inverted commas. Yeah. And you sort of, you go from like city centre to Badlands. So you're immediately in Bad, it feels like Badlands. There's cars There's all- racing. They're having a drag race up a street. Mm, there's so lots of like them. kind of metal construction walls around and people kind of like doing <clears throat> doing nefarious things around corners. Well it's the it's the north, so it's bleak to start with. <laughs> and then layered on layered on that, it was in a dodgy part of town. Anyway, I got back to the accommodation, thought, great, yeah. go to my room. I bought a pint of milk, thought I'd have a cup of tea, a few tangerines. Mm. I'll sit down, have a tangerine and a cup of tea, you know, maybe watch news night, see whether Boris Johnson's gone yet. Yeah. Anyway, I got to got to hotel reception, went upstairs, card doesn't work, work on my door. Oh, no. Doesn't work. Doesn't oh. work. Card doesn't work. Anyway, so go back to reception. There's no one around. It's literally deserted. There's no one around. What time are we talking? So is I go like outside. No, no, no. This is like about half 11. It's not even that late. <laughs> okay. So I walk around for a bit. No one. No one around. Go to the street. Drag racers, dodgy characters. They're not going to help. Go back inside. They're not going to care. You're locked out. I open the door. I start going like this. Hello, hello, like that. Just randomly to, whom? to any, just randomly just into the night. Shouting at the wall, just to try into and see the if anyone in the in could hear you. <laughs> anyway, that doesn't work. So then I go back to it, and I'm like, "Well, what am I going to do now? I can't get in my room." So there's yeah. a reception desk. So I climb over the reception desk and start going through drawers and like playing with computers, opening things. Eventually, I find a folder with a mm. number in it, an emergency number, security number. Phone that. And anyway, anyway, to cut a long story short, I had to wait 15 minutes for the security guy to come and let me in my room. So, Steve, I'm not staying in halls again. Next time, I'm going to be in the Hyatt Regency. That's my plan. The Hyatt Regency. Yeah. Going to be, ha- going to be chopping in enough, like you're performing at uh, Nebworth 
and you're gonna la- like you can't can't be staying with the with the riffraff, Nick. And look behind me. I reckon prisoners get better facilities than this one. I mean, one <laughs> thing that I like to do is have to a... live there. <clears throat> yeah, but I'm, I'm a forty-something-year-old man, Steve. <laughs> the one thing I'd expect to have is like a little lamp, you know, to read your book. Yeah. Oh no, fluorescent lamp, whole room, a thousand lumens. That's all you can have. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, you know, dude, so... you'd get a lamp at the Hyatt Regency, wouldn't you? Oh, at the Four Seasons, Steve. you'd get maybe two lamps. Maybe you can maybe even ring down to reception and they bring you a third lamp. Yeah, I know. I know you're right. So I should have gone and um, I should have gone and smashed up the place. Maybe that's what I'll do this morning after this podcast. I'm just going to trash you, the place. Are you talking at the conference? I've got, just got a poster. Actually, I had a late breaking. I put a uh, late breaking abstract. I was going to say because if, if you had a, if you were talking, you could have definitely brought this up right at the start. I think this would be an excellent way. <laughs> Normally, the only thing that people ever agree on in conferences is that they should have another conference. But now you can you can you can add to that by suggesting that you know that maybe the that the accommodation should be improved for next time. Anyway, should we crack on and do some podcasting? Your misery make brings me so much joy. But yeah, let's crack on. you back professor evans i want to cast you back to the 90s 1994 oh that was my oh that's my favorite place 1994 oh, it's so lovely then steve Lee. things were so simple they in were the, weren't they the 90s steve oh, lee's running I about and he and do you know what he's the doing ben, the bends has, the bends the, has just come out exactly the bends has, has just come out free okay com- you don't even know okay computer you can't even see on the horizon you know you know but there's oh just my God, it's, endless it's summer days lowest. It's the lower sixth form, Steve. I'm having house parties. Oh, what a lovely time. I'm listening to Led Zeppelin 2 and we're having a party at my house in, in Wolverhampton. All right. Well, it's, uh, I'm a bit, a bit younger than you. So what I was doing in 1994 was that uh, a, a new film had just come out of the cinema. And it's not just any film. It's one of those films that still holds up today and holds a very special place in my heart. Can, what films I'm going to talk Jurassic Park. Do you remember? There's a new one. There is a new, There's a new one. There is, I haven't seen the new one. Have you seen the new one? No, I haven't watched. I've only ever watched the first one, and I was pretty lukewarm about it. Oh, how dare you! Anyway, <laughs> right. So, I, I, it's very special to me. Uh, I think it's the only film I've ever seen more than once in the cinema. Um, I went like three times because I was just like so enamoured by you know the dinosaurs and you know uh, and then when um, when Sam Neill first. Well, sees dinosaurs the, are. Dinosaurs are a crowd pleaser. Everyone likes dinosaurs when they're little. I remember vividly my dinosaur colouring in book. <laughs> Actually, I was chatting to someone yesterday. I had a, a university kind of um, event yesterday. I was chatting to one of the comms people. And they said, volcanoes and dinosaurs are always crowd pleasers for comms. They don't give a crap about chemistry, but volcanoes and dinosaurs guarantee crowd pleasers. <laughs> people love them. Anyway, I agree because I love dinosaurs too. And, I, you know, and, I, and particularly when I saw Jurassic Park. 
Anyway, there's a line in Jurassic Park. I don't know if you remember it when they when they like they're trying to explain how the the, the dinosaurs can mutate and they they should all be female on Jurassic Park and then the, 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 some of them become male, and um and Sam Neill's character says life finds a way. Remember that line? It's <laughs> right. a famous that's, and and uh, I've I found another example of life finding a way, Nick, and uh, I wanted to tell you about it. Is it is it. Is it your? Are we going to talk about your bathrooms, Steve? <laughs> Is that what we're going to talk about? No, we're not. But I can see how you might think that. Although the, what I'm about to talk to you, you have might... a cleaner now. You have a cleaner, don't we you? We do. Steve? She's coming uh, um, on Saturday. And you have a robotic vacuum assistant, yeah, Marvin. So you know you you've yeah. cleaned up your act. Indeed, but that. But anyway, in my bathroom there is a tin of hairspray, right? And in, <laughs> in Steve. In hairspray, life has found a way, Nick. Right, and I was what like, I was in, I was in the bathroom the other day, and I was doing something. And you know when you like look at, and as a, ke- I'm a chemist, right? So I look around. Like, so it the, is the, the, it is your bathroom. It, it literally is, is your bathroom. It is my bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I, I linked it for you. And I was sat around, and I'm like, well, you know, I feel like as a, you know, as a, you know, professor of chemistry, I feel like I should know the chemistry behind kind of everyday objects. And I was like, I don't know what hairspray is. And so I was like, oh, I should look up what hairspray is. And so I looked it up and I thought, oh, that's going to be some good, good, good pod fodder. Um, you know, do you know? I think I take it this is your good lady's hairspray, not your own. Yes, hairspray. indeed. Yeah. Well, you do. You, you are a coiffured gentleman. Steve, well, I, so, I, yeah. you know, <laughs> I brush my hair in the morning. That's right. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do, do you know, do you know what, do you know what hairspray, do you know the chemistry of hairspray at all? Like, what would you think oh, it would no, be? No, I've literally. Something that becomes very stiff after you squirt it on, maybe like some polyethylene glycol or something. It's like not that. polyethylene so, glycol. Poly, uh, yeah, I mean, although that you know, it's a good guess, but it is a. Pa- is, Thanks, man. Is, Thanks, dude. Is, is, Thank you. A... Wreck, 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 wreck. Compliment. Thank you, man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've got a notice board here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good guess. Good guess. Um, it's not that. It is a polymer, but it's not uh, polyethylene glycol. It's poly. It's a, it's normally a copolymer. So, so, so polymers are you know just a kind of long chains of molecules, and they're kind of repeating chains. And the unit that repeats is called a, a monomer, typically. Um, yeah, like polythene, like poly polyethylene. Polyethylene yeah. is just yeah. E- yeah, ethene is just C2H4. So it's just exactly. like C2H4 Styrene, all poly- joined together styrene, in a yeah. big, long chain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so the, get it. The, I get it. And then there's a thing called a, a copolymer. So rather than it all being polythene, you can have a bit of polythene, like, and then a region where it's polystyrene, and then polythene and polystyrene again. And that would be called a copolymer. And that can be in like AB, oh, yeah, AB, yeah. AB, or it can be a bunch of A and a bunch of B. And we work with those actually. All right. I'm all over. All right, dye, all out, all right. dye block cope. Yeah, I'm all over that. Well, yeah. you've explained it's yeah, not that, a dye block. That's my understanding. Yeah, but that's exactly right. Anyway, the the, the 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 molecule that's used in hairspray is a is a copolymer of polyvinyl pyrrolidone, which is a very common water soluble plastic. So, have you got like those little polyvinyl pyrrolidone? Dish... Yeah. So, have you got um, uh, you need to use those little like pods in your washing machine or in your dishwasher. Like, yeah, yeah, you know the little plastic. The plastic on the outside of that is almost certainly polyvinyl pyrrolidone. It's a very commonly I used that water was soluble. Alginate. Someone told me that was. I've been telling my students that's alginate. Well, okay, it, in my it, lectures, it, it may it may be if it's some fan- maybe you have got fancier ones than I have. If it's cheap, it will be polyvinyl. Bio, p- yeah, p- I've got some kind of like economically friendly yeah, then, one, maybe. That's yeah. What it is. Whereas if it's like, I I buy the good old fancy you know industrial revolution version of it. 
Um, and you buy the one with this, a seal getting speared in the exactly. head. Of the, that's on the cover. Yeah, it's just like yeah, just okay. like just burning, burning polar bears running about. Um, yeah, and so that that will just be a, that's a plastic that's used quite a lot. It's used in lo- lots of food. Uh, it's used yeah, it's just as a water source because most plastics don't dissolve in water, right? Normally, you put you know if you put your plastic bag in a cup of tea, it wouldn't dissolve. Uh, and so it's a very common one and a common of a, a PVA polyvinyl acetate, like the glue you get at school. Um, Oh yeah, oh polyvinyl. So that's the glue, the kind of stuff that you squirt the on white something stuff. glitter over it. The, yeah, the, glitter the white over stuff you get it, on your fingers, and then you would peel it off as a kid. Remember that? And then sometimes, sometimes you eat it. <laughs> well, maybe they did that in the Midlands, but down south. <laughs> I think the I think I remember the I think I remember the ginger kids eating that stuff at school. <laughs> anyway, right? Poly um, hairspray dates back to about the forties, right? Which kind of makes sense because that's when we started really to understand a lot of kind of the chemistry of polymers. Um, but actually wasn't really introduced until the 60s uh, in kind of a mass-produced uh, manner. And in fact, it was initially, right. they had to figure out some way of, you know, can they, they realized they could, you know, they need a, you need a propellant. So there's some plastic in some kind of solvent in a propellant. And, and up until the 80s... So the propellant's like something like, you know, butane. That's the thing that some people sniff, isn't it? Like if it's got propellant in it. Yeah, so like, like your, your deodorant would be another example. It's, it's not beautiful. And, and when you squirt it out because it's under pressure, it comes out in a thing. That's it comes out, yeah, air, air, yeah, exactly. So it's, a, so it's a way of... So it's a pressurised thing that squirts it out as a, as a kind of like aerosols basically yes to aerosolize the, yep. the the plastic that's in the that's dissolved in the solvent now you can't use butane in the case of hairspray because the plastics wouldn't dissolve in the solvent so you need a solvent oh, and the really? plastic so dissolving it's ether in 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 hairspray is it yeah no wonder people sniff it <laughs> yeah oh, um and, and of course there are some variants of that but but typically it's ether um and but they but so, so you've got this can full of propellant that's got a spray out your plastic that's dissolved in some um, solvent. That solvent's got to evaporate because you don't want to be walking around with ether on your head. You want it just to be left with the plastic to hold your hair in place, right? Um, yeah. And um, uh, so they were like, well, what can we use? And anyway, they ended up using um, insecticide cans from the Second World War. It was exactly the same thing that they used to initially commercialize hairspray because it makes sense, right? Well, they're cheap. Just... They're easy to manufacture. Uh, they can hold it. They can hold pressure. You know, they're, they're, they're safe. You know, it's actually quite a good idea. They haven't taken out. You haven't, they haven't taken. They must have. <laughs> yeah, they, took, so yeah. They, they haven't put in insecticide, then taken it out. They just haven't put anything in it yet. Yeah, well, initially they, yeah, exactly. But they, but they used old military surplus insecticide cans, right? When they first started developing oh it. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Right. Okay. Anyway. That doesn't sound good. Anyway, so I, I thought that was interesting. But anyway, right, at the bottom of like one of these, the things I was doing a bit of research on it, and it said, there's this, this little note. And it just said, it said, oh, there's, uh, there's a bacterium that's been found that lives in hairspray. And I'm like, what? No way. Anyway, it's true. There's a paper from 2008 inventing this 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 microbacterium Hationis, which is um which is isolated from contaminant of hairspray. Is the paper from the International Journal of Systematic and Evolutionary Microbiology? Right. And, okay. Um, so it's a wide readership journal. This one. <laughs> no. I think I've seen that on the coffee table, actually, in my dentist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's not like, you know, I read it. I was like, oh, it's just going to be some mutant of a, an existing bacteria. <clears throat> but apparently not. They say this is kind of, it's taxonomically distinct from the, from the genus Microbacterium. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, they proposed the name this uh, Hatanosis after. Um, so I looked up the original paper. It's really interesting. They suggest that after Doctor um, Kanzanori Hatano for his contribution to the understanding of the genus Microbacterium. So it was actually done in honor of somebody else who's done other research on the similar um, bacteria. But it, it oh life God. finds a way, Nick. It lives. Like you think about, like you know, you think Manchester's a pretty inhospitable, inhospitable place to to live. Imagine trying to live in a in a in a hairspray can. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I did a PhD viber the other day, Steve. Oh, I've done a few of them. How was it? I did one the other day. Well, I've done lots. I've probably done like I've probably done like fifteen or something. There do you know, do you know what I find the worst bit is writing up the report. It's really boring. I always find because I was I was well, quite the a secret to that, report. Steve, is just don't don't write very much. Mm, yeah, I, I always feel bad though. I feel like you know, if someone's invited. When I when I read it, I write a really long list of stuff like notes. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. Right? Really, really long list, like three, four pages of notes, often bullet points, page numbers, bullet points. Maybe we should. And then when I write the report, what a viver is for anyone that doesn't know. So yeah, so if you do a PhD degree, um, which I think everyone's heard of a PhD, you do that, and it takes you probably in the UK three or four years. And then after you've done it, you write a book, which is called a thesis, which some sometimes usually should be around 200 pages long. Some people write a lot more, which is mm. annoying. Don't write <laughs> much more than 200 pages. 100% support and that then, statement. And, and it summarises the stuff that you've done, what you found out that's new. And it has to be an original contribution, has to be scholarship. There's a bunch of criteria. So it has to be research, has to be advanced the field. And then when you, after you've written it, you submit it. And then a couple of, in the UK, what happens is it gets sent to two examiners who read it, check it's all okay. And then you have a viva voce, which is basically you sit down at a table with two, um, I, I hesitate to call them boffins because some of them are just slovenly <laughs> do nothing. But usually you get some experts yeah. <laughs> at a table and then they, they will um, ask you lots of questions about it to test whether you've done it yourself and whether you understand it. And at the end of that, if you've done that satisfactorily, they say, great, you can you can have a PhD. Mm. We're going to recommend you to have a PhD, right? I actually quite enjoy so the discussions, happens. personally. I think that's actually a really nice... I've always... That, that's the best bit of the vibe, are actually sitting down with a couple of, like you say, a couple of other boffins and really actually discussing things in a kind of long form without trying... You spend so much of your life making stuff simpler. It's fun to actually have the time and the and the, and the freedom there to, to talk about things in a bit more... Expa in an expanded form. Yeah, and I, I, I enjoy them as well. I de definitely enjoy... The problem with them is, is you've always got a million and one of the things to fit in. Yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, God. Anyway, I like doing them. Anyway, I did one the other day, and I was the internal one for this one. And... You, so I've described the process to you. At this one, they had like a public talk, right. first of all. So was, they was did a the talk. It's very common. In the okay, UK. So it's very common to, to have a public talk outside of the UK, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so the student had lots of people watching online and in the room, and they gave a half-hour talk, and then no questions. After that, everyone filed out. Then we did the exam. And I thought, well, that's quite nice because they get to give a... Because often when you get to the end of the, your PhD, that's it. It's like, okay, do your viva and then job done. And you don't have any kind of thing. Yeah. So at least it was nice. So I, I like that bit of it. 
But then I started thinking about other vibers in other countries, like you say, Steve. And there's lot, there's a wide variety of things that go on. Mm. And what got me talking, talking, thinking about it was like I was chatting to a person. I'm at a conference at the moment, and uh, a senior, a sort of um, senior colleague of mine at the conference. He did one in Belgium. Have you ever done one in Belgium? I've never done Steve? one in Belgium. Well, it, I, it was funny because afterwards he got so smashed, he missed his train home in the morning. <laughs> this is kind of nice. like a white-haired, uh, respectable gentleman. Right. And they made him drink a lot. But anyway, in Belgium and in other places, kind of when you get to your viva, it's done. It's already done. And it's a public thing. And your friends and family, all kinds of people can come along. And you wear a cape. And in, in Holland, you have... Um, two helpers little helpers who follow you around called nymph or some things or other what do you mean they follow you around well, while, while you're doing your public lecture you mean it's like a ceremonial thing you can uh, it's like almost like bridesmaids you get a couple of helpers who sort of accompany that, you around will you, will you be my bridesmaid nick will you <laughs> i'd want it. i'd only want you <laughs> just walking slightly subserviently behind Steve. me you've already got <laughs> i can do one in belgium <laughs> i can do another one as long as long as i wouldn't have to hold anything <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, so that, that's I've what done happens. one in Oxford, and, then, and in Oxford you have to wear academic dress during the Viva. You have to wear, yeah, really? you have to wear your gowns, even though it's closed. Yeah. And, anyway, anyway, so so this is the way that that it happens, mm. and by the time you get it, it's a done deal. So, and I've done another one recently as well, which was another different thing. And for South Africa, I did one in South Africa, and there. It just gets sent to external people and you review it like a paper and then they just collect them and they decide whether they're going to award the PhD or not. Apparently that's the way they do it in Australia. Australia's well. true. And they pay they pay the people to do it quite a lot as well, I think. You know, you get paid a few thousand I think I got I got oh, I didn't get that, yeah. I got a couple of hundred dollars, yeah. I think. But um what do you think about all this, Steve? Do you think it's do you do you think the British system is the way, or do you think we should be doing it in a different, well, a different I th- type of manner? I mean, I think you know. Okay, so what's the point of a viva? Like you say, one of them is to make sure that the person has really done that work. You know that so, you know their boss hasn't written it for them, or you know that they've done it. You know, there's there's nothing fraudulent, and you know, in, in any all the ones I've ever done, that's never been the case. But that's the point of it. Um, I suppose one of the, it is subject to. Is subject to some level of corruption if there's only two people involved. You would think if you could, if you were to get input from say ten people and they all say this is brilliant, it probably is really good, you know. Um, but then equally, probably if you you know how how you go about getting ten pieces of you know information and getting real world experts. I mean that's the that's the that's the idea, right? Is that your examiner should be certainly your external examiner should be a real world expert in what you're doing, and so that person takes a long time to read and examine oh, yeah. a thesis. You know, I mean, if you had ten people, it's probably like a month, man hours or something, something like that. Yeah, I, maybe not quite that, but you might. I mean, it takes you, might, you, a, you might take two days to a go. good two days to do it properly. Maybe longer, I think, depends upon the thesis. But yeah, I. Um, so it's kind of like it's it's a bit impractical. I mean, you're right about the corruption thing. I read an article where someone was moaning about the fact that you know it's a closed system. But I guess with a PhD, often what's happened is you've already been assessed as you go, haven't you? You've done lots of things to determine whether or not you're a good uh, student. So you're you're saying just, things you do... just having it at the end, um, like that requires no continuous assessment, and 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 actually on some level. You know, you don't you don't just fall out the sky. You've been working really hard for th- for four years before then. 
in most cases responsible they wouldn't put someone forward for a viber yes, unless course. they were ready yeah. and that they were capable um, but again that's a little bit up to one one or two people mm. so you're right again it's a bit of a weird system i mean i like the idea of being to vibers where you have a chair so you've got the two examiners mm. and you've got a chair who kind of oversees the process as being there and i kind of think that's a solution to avoid that kind of because then as an examiner i felt conscious of that chair right it made me a bit less relaxed, but I was a little bit probably more Objective. judicious. Yeah. yeah, because otherwise you can just be, you you know, you say what you're saying that is slightly weird and it's true. You you can just randomly talk of any old crap, can't you? And there's only one other person who's going to hold you account to it, and even yeah. only then if they're kind of sufficiently got the personality to. I I, I think you're right. Yeah, it, it does. That, um, so. it does. You're right. It, it, you know. It, it can be corrupted by people with strong personalities if there's only a small number of people, you know, and I don't think it, I don't think generally it works great in the UK system. I know in a colleague of mine uh, just examined uh, a Finnish PhD viber, and this is quite a weird idea, Nick, right? So, it, so he's not Finnish. He can't speak Finnish. You know, he just rocked up as, you know, as a, as a you know, a, a UK um, a British citizen, just speaks English like most British people do. Um, and the entire, um, um you know like obviously the, you know the, although you know english is generally the language the international kind of language of science obviously in finland in the middle of wherever they were helsinki or whatever um they just they, they speak finnish but what's weird is that they, you know these these um these people arrive through this three person kind of closed viva you know never having ever discussed science in english and do it just for this person. I was like, oh, they're doing it just because you're there. They're like, no, all vivas in Finland are in English, even though the actual science is not done in that language. So imagine like l thinking and learning and like speaking and, you know, teaching those skills in one language just to switch for the, like, one of the most important exams you ever have. It's like quite confusing. <laughs> it is a bit. I mean, I've got, I always have massive respect for uh, Johnny Foreigner. <laughs> Coming People over here. People have to work in English. <laughs> People have to work in English. Yeah. Yeah, some people, you know, they've got to work in it, and, and and like we kind of take it for granted, you and I, mm. a lot of the time. Hundred um, percent. That most people are working in a language which is not their own. Can you imagine it? It must be really, it's doubly challenging. It's really tough. I think I know, I know quite a lot of um, you know, you know, international colleagues. They they actually say sometimes it's quite hard. They find it when they have to switch back to their native tongue in uh, and speak English and 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 speak scientific terms. They just don't know them. Right. You know, like because, they, you know, because like, it's it's not just, you know, you don't learn to translate, you know, I don't know, disproportionation no. into German. Right. You know, like you, you learn to translate, you know, afternoon and mother and brother. Right. And and so sometimes they just like, uh, I don't know what that word is. It's f f funny to think that native people don't know how to say the word in their own language. <laughs> it's like a separate language. Yeah. It's like it's like a third language almost. It's interesting. Yeah. We, you and I probably have a lot of vocabulary from science that a lot of normal people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily have. Yeah, so, science anyway, babble, in America's like Egon in Ghostbusters. Like what on <laughs> earth are you saying? That's, that's Nick. That's kind of the reason I went into science was to understand what data was saying in Star Trek, and now I do, and now I know that God. most of the stuff they said is made up. <laughs> it's nonsense. Steve. What's the tachyon? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, and I've seen these. The other thing is in Europe as well. Sometimes when people write a thesis, they've got to publish papers. Mm. They've got to have like four papers or something. Mm. Which I fundamentally disagree. I, I disagree with. with that because then that just encourages people to publish average papers, you know. Um, 
Yes. Yeah, and you read and and then you get like it's just okay. Here's chapter. Here's chapter two. Yeah. Squirted out into the journal of crap. Yeah. And it just it just is it's more work for everybody, isn't it? Because people have got to review it, print paper. It's on the internet. It's and there's a lot of stuff in my you know that you students of yours probably and mine do that you just don't publish just because it's not it's not quite rigorous enough or it's not interesting enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you kind I think of it should you, be pushed. You have to be you have to be. You should try and I mean I try and publish all my students to publish one paper. Mm. You know that's that's the kind of. That's the sort of... but, but that's the point. You'd rather have one good one than three, oh. like you know, ones that were just kind of forced. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think I think that kind of need to publish. It was similar in the US as well. I think you know there was an expectation to publish, although not a requirement to. I don't think so. I think in the US they generally, if you if you publish your PhD, doesn't take as long. Like because a PhD in America takes can take seven years mm. or even longer. But if you publish a couple of papers, that will reduce it. You'll get examined at five years or something like that. So I think that's not a bad system either. But there you, you, you've got the problem that you have perpetual PhDs, don't you? It's people just doing it for years and years and years with very little job security or um, or um, or kind of like what, money what do you think? Do you think, so. uh, do you think the UK... I think the UK system seems to work pretty well. I like the UK system. I don't like the ceremonial thing of foreign in, in, in Europe where it's like it's not an exam it's a ceremony yeah. you know because it, it, it isn't an exam you know you're 45 minutes you've got they're called paranymphs by the way you're two little, little, little bridesmaids yeah. paranymphs will follow you around yeah so that's a ceremonial thing it's not really uh an exam right at all I, yeah you can't fail that yeah if you can't if you can't, you can't. fail it i mean to be, fair, to be fair not many people do fail uk virus but it does happen you know there are, yeah. and, and it can but it can also be uncomfortable mm. like you, i've been in virus where the student is you know not quite there and they get pushed and pushed and then you know it becomes a little bit um of a you know it's a testing situation mm. basically you know that which wouldn't happen if it were a ceremony um, i i think i think making it open i mean in the uk they're closed i mean in in the olden days a thesis used to be i think when you read about it in history books like niels bohr ever mm. they do it in a lecture theater on a stage and people can wander in and watch if they want i think you there's know, one thing to have an a, open um... lecture as part of your phd i did that for my phd so as part of it uh, my phd i had to give an open lecture to the department you know um and that was of all the things i did but it wasn't like assessed as it was it was just some one of the things you had to do but that was part of it and then and yeah. then obviously you had a viva as well um i really enjoyed my viva it went really well <laughs> i really really like really liked it i was mega nervous nick what i'd done is i so i got i've got quite a lot of equations in my um in my uh in my thesis and i went through and derived them all from first principles and i knew how to do them all and i was ready to be tested and i sat down and i had two <clears throat> two um one uh, one of my examiners is now a colleague of mine at Cambridge, but he was my external examiner. And I had an internal at Sussex as well there, Professor Malcolm Heggie. And uh, I was so ready. I was like, we can we can derive this equation if you want. I was ready to get up on the board. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't care about that. Let's move on and let's talk about the stuff you actually did rather than, uh, you know, and, which is exactly the right way to be. But I was so prepared to be tested on the fundamentals. They absolutely didn't didn't care I, about that at I all. I think the thing is you can be tested on anything. Yeah. And I was nervous like you because there's all this background mm. and you don't ever know all of that stuff. So I was reading all kinds of crazy stuff and reading. But you're right. I also enjoyed my my viva was fine because i think in my phd 
I was quite lonely, really, because mm. there, there was only me and like one other person, and I didn't have anyone to talk to. You reminisce fondly fun, fun, on that sometimes, just being given a library card and told to go away for three years. That was basically... <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit like mine was, yeah, yeah but um, it made me the man I am today, Steve. <laughs> and all the better for it. Anyway, we should we should ask people what they think about this. So if you're listening mm. and you've got you're interested in what what how the P, UK PhD system works compared with um, overseas, get in touch and we'll um, we'll uh, we'll um, yeah. If there's we'll, we'll if, chat if there are kind of other alternatives, you could imagine. I don't know, like you know, um, you know, I think I think the one way you might be able to improve it is to maybe have I don't know some a series of I don't know recommendations or something almost like a peer review of somebody reading it but not to quite the extent of an examiner um because because what you could say i say say you know um uh, you know say you rang me up nick and said like steve this student's awful but can you like can you be really nice to them and get them through the through their their viva like if there one person were to do that you could see how that that could happen right you know, that person you know you know it's unfair to everybody else from that institution and indeed everyone else that's ever got a phd if that that person isn't examined rigorously and they don't really know what they're doing, right? Yeah. Um, well, I remember that too, Steve. Because sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I when I was doing mine, I got my PhD, and then there was this absolute <laughs> plod, useless <laughs> plod. And I thought, and then they got their PhD the next year. Yeah. And like, I remember thinking, oh my god, my PhD is devalued. Do you know what was it? The de- was no. it the day the music died, Nick? <laughs> it was. The- <laughs> <laughs> Well, long, you see, when I think most people, most people think people who get PhDs are clever. That was my perception mm. before I got mine. <laughs> so I proved that wrong, and then, but you realise when you go through science, you don't have to be clever at all to get a PhD. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to have a certain ability to do your job. But you there's don't different have classes. To be Some people get a PhD from working really hard. Some people, some people yeah. get a PhD from being really smart. Isn't it? I think the, the, um, De Broglie's thesis is famously only like ten pages long or something. You know, something you know, like that. Yeah. You know, like, but I mean, I think I think I'm, I've got to qualify what mm. I've just said with with clever. I mean, my idea of clever is like a kind of boffin. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like someone who is really quick on the uptake, knows loads right. of stuff. But most scientists are not like that. They they a lot of the good ones even are methodical. You know, and they've got insights and all the rest of it. But they're not clever as in the sense that you might think of a boffin as being clever. I you, don't think. <laughs> you, I you don't are like think Professor you Frink from the from the Simpsons. That's what, who you want to be, yeah. only scientist. <laughs> or um, or uh, what's he called, Cuth- Professor Cuthbert? What's his face from Tintin? <laughs> that sort of character. <laughs> you know what, Nick? Maybe that's how people see us. <laughs> calculus. That's it. Cuthbert Calculus from Tintin. Anyway, let's move on. And if, if people want to get in touch, then please do. We'd welcome your thoughts on mm. um, on PhDs. Maybe we can read them out if you've got any funny stories or anything like that. Good, good, good. Yeah, let's do that. Why do we need Petrie, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting? So, Nick, what, what what have you got planned for the rest of the day in in sunny Manchester? I'm going to the conference now. Yeah, 
I've got a poster hanging up. I've got to stand by my poster mm. at 11 o'clock or something. I'll watch a few talks. No one's given us any breakfast in this. No breakfast. Getting locked out. No breakfast. Have you got a tangerine though? We know about that. You, you'll probably be all I'm right on my that. I'm on my third tangerine. I'm actually eating it as we speak. <laughs> I think they're a tangerine, but I'm quite. I'm. I'm never quite sure about my um, orange-related fruit classifications because you've got so many now, and you tangerines, nectarines, not nectarines, tangerines, satsumas, clementines. I mean, what's the difference? Who knows? There's one, there's one in Tesco's the other day called an Easy Peeler. That's all it was called. I don't know what it was. There's a little orange. These are called. These are just called fruit. <laughs> fruit. All right. Best one, fruit. Oh no, clementine. They are clementines. Okay. It says on the back in small good to, writing. Good, good to know. Um, from South Africa. So how long's the, how long's the conference for? Just till Friday. And then I'm going to a gig with two friends, a band called uh, Circle with Richard Dawson, Prog Rock. Nice. You're yeah. like this. Nick, last week, in one week, I saw The Rolling Stones, Jack White and Alanis Morissette all in one week. That's a good week, isn't what, it? What, live? Yeah, three different gigs. You are joking. Yeah, it was fun. Where did you see The Stones? Uh, High Park. Did you see them all at Hyde Park? Or just well, not Charlie Watts, but yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. no, no. <laughs> I, meant, I meant the other band. I know. No, I saw um, um, Alas Morissette was at the O2 and uh, Jack White was at the Hammersmith Apollo. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. It was a good week. It was a good week. I think that I would... I mean, the Stones... Were the Stones good? They were really I always good. Think, well, they, they were really oh, good. Okay. He's 78 years old. He was saying, I think, like they, 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 were just, they were like a week before their 60th anniversary of the first gig they ever played, which was just round the corner from, from where we were in Hyde Park. Isn't that nuts? That's insane. It's insane, isn't it? And Alanis <laughs> yeah. Morissette, did she do all the old classics? Yeah, well, it's the 25th anniversary of Jagged Little Pill, so she just played the whole album, which is, to be honest, the only songs I know that Alanis Morissette has. Well, that was great. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, well, and that I links back that. to my 1994 day, the thing about Jurassic Park. That was what I was doing. That it was. Um, oh no, it was 96. Jag a little pill, but similar I think, time. I think is it 95? I would have said 95, but because I remember it being in my student halls of residence all the time. But <laughs> I know it was there for a year. It's, a, great, it's a good album, it? actually. Yeah. It's a good album. Flea plays. Was Flea there? No Flea. No. No right. And the other like, one, shouty the other one Essex women, uh, Jack White. The, for a white that song. must have been good. Was that Meg was, there? No, she wasn't. But that was nuts. That was nuts. Yeah. He's really good. He is good. Um, I saw um I saw an old video of the White Stripes the other day. Not Seven Nation Army, but one of their other ones. Icky Icky Icky, Icky Thump. Icky Thump. And my God, I was watching it. I think, wow, that's really powerful. It's really good. It's such a good song. I've not heard it for ages. Yeah. Anyway, that sounds brilliant, Steve. You're a lucky man. Um, well, I'm going to see. In a very small place with probably about a hundred other people, a Finnish rock You're, band. But you know, happy, happiness is relative, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> I'll enjoy it. And the album—it's called um, Henke. The album's called. Every song is named after a different species of plant. Some mythical, some real. That sounds right up your proggy street. That does. <laughs> Seven tracks. One of them's right. like. About nine minutes long, called Methuselah. Anyway, if people want to get in touch, Steve, with you and talk about anything, how do they do that? Yeah, if they want to follow up on what we were talking about with PhD Vibers, they can contact us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Steve the Chemist. I'm at the Evans Lab. 
and you can also uh, email us in uh, our email address is in the science shed at gmail.com and uh it'll be yeah great and we have a twitter you. handle for that too it's in the science shed isn't it our it's twitter, just, it's just right? the science shed just the science shed okay yeah, it's, well it's, it's, it's only been six years with... nick it's good for you to learn the <laughs> handles <laughs> good to have you with us everybody take care yeah. Bye. and we'll see you next time bye